Hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Lyman of the Jonathan Lyman brand. And I'm here because we got to talk about a man, the January 6, 1997 edition of WCW Monday Night Nitro. And the WWF at the time, Raw is War. It went down, man. And we're going to sit back, relax, and we're going to talk about it, man. We're going to talk about it because we got to make it do what it do, man. Without further ado, let's get into it, man. We're going to kick it off with some news. What was in the news? January 6, 1997. Let's take it back some 25 years ago. Paul Heyman is really optimistic that the first pay-per-view he's trying to do with ECW will happen. They're having an issue with Request TV to pull this off because, you know, ECW had the whole mass transit incident. And now when they found out about it, they kind of like, oh, uh, they live too extreme. I knew the E in ECW was extreme. That's a little too extreme for me. I don't know if I can handle that. We don't know if people, we don't know what they're going to do. We put these fools on TV, they might do some real crazy. And we get all kind of fines. We ain't trying to pay all that. So it was up in the air if that first ECW pay per view was ever going to happen. <sighs> Oof, ECW, they, they, had, they had a time. Now, another news story a new promotion in Puerto Rico called WWA has an agreement with the WWF. Savio Vega is one of the people running the company. Obviously, Savio Vega has ties with WWE, WWF. That's going to help him succeed, hopefully, with that organization. There's also a big rumor out that Chris Jericho is going to be the mystery opponent for Koji Kimoto at the Tokyo Dome at the New Japan Pro Wrestling Show. Will it happen? Spoiler, it did. Bam Bam Bigelow, also in the news, he actually turned down a chance to go to WCW and work for the NWO. Apparently, he has some, you know, some heat. He has some back. He has some drama with a couple of guys in the NWO from back in the day. He's like, Nah, fam, I don't want to join the NWO. Y'all can do good all by yourself. I don't want none right now. Mr. Fuji was actually backstage at the WCW Nitro. He lived close in the area, so he was there saying, what up to the homies? Now, as of December the 31st, the WWF has sold 13,500 tickets so far for the Royal Rumble in the Alamo Dome. And the thing about this, the Alamo Dome, it sits 71,000 people. So they got to get that thing chugging and chugging and chugging along. They want to, you know, actually have a good attendance. Because, you know, when it comes to the crowds, if you have, like, these big arenas and not a lot of people in it, it's going to look like it's so empty. Granted, because, you know, 13,000 not bad. If you say, yeah, 13,000 and 15,000 arena, oh, it's going to look packed. Oh, y'all did great. But 13,500 and a 70,000, oh, y'all struggling. So before we get into it, we're going to look back at the ratings for these two shows we're about to go through. 
Nitro rating was a 3.4, while the Raw rating was a 2.1. And without further ado, let's get up up in this thing, man. Let's talk about it. Let's get it going, man. Let's talk about WCW Nitro. Like I said, this is the January 6, 1997 version. The first Nitro of the year. Hello, 1997. Let's see what about to go down, man. 25-year anniversary. When they kick off the first Nitro of 1997, we got Glacier going against Bobby Eaton. The biggest thing about Glacier is that the entrance. All the lights, all the stuff, obviously, want to come back. Who's thing? WCW is like, man, we got to get some of that more to come back, buddy, man. Glacier, do your kicks and all that stuff, and we're going to bring you in. We're going we gonna to make some money, man, because the kids going to love you. The, the match itself was, was basically a squash match, which is a shame. Because Bobby Eaton is such a great performer, and for him to see him doing a squash is kind of like... Why are you wasting him, man? But he did his best to help get Glacier over. I'm not... I wasn't overly impressed with the match. Glacier has kicks. That's one thing he does have. It was a little botchy. But he did. Glacier got the victory done. Like I said, it was basically a squash match. Like I said, the best part of the match was the beginning and the ending. The entrance, and when the match was over, they played it again. He did all his thing. That was the best part of it. And that's not good signs for Glacier. Glacier has to find a way to get over. And it can't just be him walking and leaving the ring. In, when he's in the ring, that's what needs to get him over. And right now, that ain't it, fam. Then, moving on, they went to see something. This was a little weird to me. We saw footage of Big Bubba, formerly Big Boss Man, and Conan. He talked about it. And then we get a Mexican strap match. I like both competitors. I wasn't a big fan of this match, though, because it had flaws in it. Because it was a time throughout this match where the Boss Man, in my opinion, should have actually won this match. Because I feel like they said, oh, he didn't touch all four in order time went by. But then you see the finish where it was basically the same situation where Conan touched the three, but then when it went time for the fourth one, he kind of hesitated some. They had a little bit of things happen. And then he got the uh, in the fourth one to win the match. That should not have won that match. That match should have been restarted. It should have came up with something a little different. It was awkward. It wasn't the best work. But they can they can get better from it. So in the beginning, WCW Nitro not the strongest of starts, but it's okay. Not horrible, not horrible. But it's not great, not good. It just is I. Now, something that looking back. At this now, 25 years later, and everything that happened from 1997 to 2022, in that 25 years, this next segment is a little 
no awkward. It is Kevin Sullivan. Basically about Kevin Sullivan, Chris Benoit, and woman, Nancy Benoit. Nancy Sullivan at the time, but would end up being Nancy Benoit. And we're not going to get into what Benoit did years later, but knowing what happened and watching this stuff now, this is the beginning stages of that, and it's like, this is so sad. But we, we get a quick, we get a Kevin Sullivan promo about Chris Benoit and woman, and it was, I was tough for me to listen to. Then that goes, and, and this is weird, I don't understand why they did this, and AEW and the current day kind of does stuff like this. Don't do interview after interview after interview back to back to back like that. That's wasn't a big fan of that. But they all kind of had the same tone together. They both were talking about the same thing, but it's still like y'all could have done that a little bit better. You got then you go to Ming Gene. He interviews the four horsemen. And the one thing I, I noted when I was watching the show. Arn Anderson looks the exact same 25 years ago than he does right now. I'm not sure that's a compliment, but it is what it is. <laughs> so it's like, man, you know age. So that's one of the things that you go be like, man, you 60, you look great. And then you be like, you look, you look the same as you did when you were 35. But like, what you saying, man? I look 60 when I was 35. <laughs> so it's like it could go both ways. Then we got one of the worst talkers, most worst promos of all time, Deborah McMichael. It was just horrible, man. She's trying to convince the Four Horsemen that Double J, Jeff Jarrett should be a part of the Four Horsemen. And it's just bad. Double J is trying to get Ben Ross spot. And he is doing everything he can, everything he can to get it, man. All that talking. Now, one of the sickest burns he did to Orrin Anderson, that joker told Orrin Anderson, Orrin played second fiddle his whole career. And that made Orrin upset. Orrin was like, nah, fam. Orrin was like, I got to give you this work after you insulted me like that. So that leads into a Orrin Anderson, Jeff Dredd match. And it was, uh, it was, I Double J wins with a neck breaker, which no one we know now is like, mm. but it's put on the ropes so that way Jerry can get the victory. Or I can say, oh, you cheated to beat me, so you can still kind of keep it going. And they and they talked afterwards and everything. They still kind of got into it. It was, ugh. it was. Not that great either. This show has not started off good. You can kind of tell this is a beginning of the year. Like, man, we gotta get this. We gotta get this show up, man. We still thinking about New Year's Day, man. New Year's Eve, but we got this show to do. Let's go ahead and put something. Let's try again next week. And hopefully next week is better because this was a lot of filler, but it also was a start of some storylines. Speaking of starting storylines, we get an NWO promo, which, you know, those are always going to be pretty good. And DDP, music hits. But we don't see DDP, man. Like, where's DDP? Where he at? Where he at? Where he at? He don't come out. 
remember that. We're going to go back into that. The reason why DDP did not come out later on. Then we get the recently released from WWE in 2022, William, don't call me Lord Stephen Regal. He comes out. And then the replacement for DDP. Oh, Axel, Jim Duggan. So we get Jim Duggan. They come out, they wrestle. And I was really taken out of this match. Something that WCW did a lot. We had Nash, Bischoff, Six. They all came out and they took over the commentary uh, table. Then they hype up DDP joining the NWO. Basically, the reason why he wasn't there doing this match was because he was actually having dinner with Scott Hall. They talked about how close friends they are, which is 100% real, 100% true. DDP, Scott Hall are great friends, helped each other a lot in life and even in the wrestling business. So they expect DDP to join the NWO. As far as the match itself, like I said, I was out of it because of the commentators not not talking to it. This is something that happens a lot in wrestling that lovers of pet people might when they have other people commentating and not other than the, uh, the commentators. It's that they'll start talking about a subject so much and completely ignore what's going on in the ring. It's like, I don't even care anymore. That's what happened to me in that match. I don't even care about this match with Duggan and Regal. Which in and in a, you know, basically in a no contest, time limit draw. So it's kind of like they needed the match to kind of help tell the story of DDP ignoring the title shot they talk to Scott Hall about the NWO. So I get kind of where they're going with that. They kind of had a little layer to it. But it wasn't. But they didn't execute it the way they should have. I think it would have been better had they had Shivani still there, still hyping it up. And them, and them two going, and the NWO and Shivani and Zabisco kind of going back and forth with the NWO about DDP. I think that would have made it a little bit better. I would have enjoyed that back and forth a lot more than what we actually got. Then we get Hugh Morris versus Jim Powers. It was basically a squash match, but the thing I really want to talk about this match, Morris gets the victory. Was Teddy Long? I don't remember Teddy Long being that big. I remember t- seeing Teddy Long being a little small guy, but he was a big guy back in '97. I was like, I see you, Teddy. All right, you're putting in that work. Shout outs to Teddy, man. I wish we had a tag team match or somebody to go one on one with the Undertaker, but we get that years later. <laughs> and then we get the second hour of Monday Nitro. Now we're going to have Heenan, Tanae, and Tony Schiavone. They're taking over the commentary. And uh, we get a recap of what happened with the Four Horsemen and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, whatever. Then we get a Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. match. This was a good match, but I don't know what was going on with Psychosis that night, but he was slipping. Still slipping. He was on the rope slipping. That's botch after botch after botch. Psychosis 
is a really good wrestler, high flyer, but he could not get it together in this match. But one thing, he just kept losing that balance. One thing with that match, though, what you could tell was how big of a star Rey Mysterio Jr. was going to be. You could just tell watching these two go. He'd be like, Psychosis, you are right. Rey Mysterio Jr. Man, it's special. Ray Jr. gets the victory with the rest coast pop. Another thing to note in this match, which was kind of kind of crazy looking back at it. Because I don't I don't think people really thought about it at the time. But Ultimo Dragon had the Jacob. So he had all those belts. He had eight belts from Japan. One of those belts was actually the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. How does WCW have a WWF belt on their television and not even realize it? That was something that was always crazy to me. When you find this out, I think Bischoff did an interview, but he didn't even really know it until afterwards, until they to 83 weeks. It's like, that's nuts. Like, y'all realize the type of trolling y'all could have done with that? And y'all just blew it. To me, that was like a big, big miss on that part, man. They could have done so much more with that. Speaking of doing so much more, we get a Taskmaster for Chavo match. Basically, Another squash match. Chavo got squashed. You could you could look at Chavo and be like, okay, Chavo's gonna be something as well. He's losing on TV, but you could tell Chavo is going to be something. We got something with Chavo, which we, we probably shouldn't beat him. Should build him up. We do have something. You can see it. Okay, Chavo's gonna be something. Then they show footage of the NWO beating up Roddy Piper from a week ago. It was crazy. I don't know what Piper was saying. Piper was like, Piper was speaking in tongues. It was crazy when I was watching this. I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, what is Piper doing? Is Piper speaking in tongues? And then after that, I think what Shivani said that, seemed like he's speaking in tongues. I'm like, Shivani, me and you like that. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, that was crazy. But Piper was great. He's like, you got to be, be beat down, Piper. But hopefully come back better and stronger. Did we get a Eddie Guerrero versus Alex Wright match? I was personally taken out of this match as well because we got so much talk of Hogan and Giant that it took me out of how great of a match this should have been. Then we got, then we had Six come out with the U.S. belt because he has the belt even though Eddie is the U.S. champion. And he, the six ends up on a ladder, which is basically setting up a ladder match between Eddie versus six. So you know that's gonna happen soon. Eddie beats Alex Wright. Disco fever. <laughs> he beats him with a frog splash. Eddie got the job done. Eddie is the man, man. We don't have anything bad to say about it. I was a little taken out of the match, but overall, that still was a decent match. I mean, you got Eddie Guerrero in the ring. This is the thing about watching a lot of these. Well, I was taking away, which I think points are taken away from some of these matches because of the commentary. 
But the people they have in the ring are still great. You still can watch and be like, these guys are great. Something that I wish we could have today, hopefully they can bring it back once COVID is finally settled. We got, and obviously they can't be this guy. Rest in peace, Lee Marshall. Lee Marshall on the road. That seems so fun. Lee Marshall seems like somebody just want to get in the car with, just ride and talk and tell old stories to. I always enjoyed the Lee Marshall uh, segment on Nitro. Then we get <laughs> the amazing French Canadians versus Harlem Heat. This was actually the best match, in my opinion, on this card. Really good match. Harlem Heat getting the job done. They ain't making it do what it do. And I was happy for them getting the job done. And and by far, this was the first match. I'm like, from start to finish, this was the best thing on this show. I wish they would have done a little bit more stuff like this in this show than what they did. But like I said before, I really think they was phoning in this episode a lot. Then we get some of the shows. The, then they showed Luger and a giant highlights from Starcade with Sting and Faring. Then we get Alex Luger versus Ming Match. This is this match was just all over the place. Ming was was giving Luger that work, and man, it was crazy. He was giving him that work. Then Barbarian comes out, and it's like this is just weird. Then they protected Ming because Ming doesn't actually tap out. Lex Luger puts the barbarian in the uh, torture rack, but you know, they all look alike. So, barbarian taps. He thinks it's Ming. The referee does. Calls for the bail. Lex Luger gets the job done, even though he didn't beat Ming. He beat barbarian, but it'll go down as a victory for Lex Luger over Ming. That was all over the place. That did not mean to happen. I'm not sure why. And I like Ming as a tough guy. But all the people who did squashes on that show, I'm not sure that Ming was the one that needed to be protected the most. I mean, if you want to protect him and build him up as their potential contender, I would be okay with that. But I'm not sure they're going to even do that. I think that was just a why not? Just do it and try something different. Then the NWO, they all come out, they do their promo. Then the giant comes out, do this thing. And you know, the giant, because it's one giant versus the NWO, giant, he gets beat down. The NWO then heads to the announce table to take that over. Them jokers take the announcers took off running. They talking that trash, doing their thing. Then Sting comes out, goes to the ring. Talks a little bit to the giant, leaves the bat, then leaves. They mocking it, and I'm like, oh, whatever. Then NWO send Vincent in the rain to get the job, to finish the job. Vincent takes his old sweet time, gets in there, like, oh, I'm about to be the giant. Then the giant wakes up, and he gives Ming that. <laughs> Then he gives Vincent that work. And then he gets the then the rest of the NWO comes down, giant with the bat, goes crazy, just laying him out, just doing his doing his thing. 
And that's pretty much it. We end with Giant being being with the bat and everything, beating up the NWO. Like they show up Sting again, and that was the end of the show with the Giant getting the best of the NWO. Let me know what y'all thought about the show, man. I'll go back and watch it. I overall, it was it. it it was an easy watch, so it wasn't like hard to watch it. But overall, did I think it was a great episode of Nitro? No, it was below average. Honestly, it wasn't an average show. It was below average. It was they, but like I said, it's the first show of the year. I believe they were just trying to phone it in, trying to get. They laid the foundation for a couple of things and moved along a couple storylines. But overall, <sighs> now let's jump on over to the Raw. This is the January 6, nineteen ninety-seven edition of Monday Night Raw. Raw is war. And they kick things off with a Vader promo against Bret Hart. Which was like, well, it's all right. I mean, they hyping up the match, the big man Vader going against Bret Hart. So, overall, you know that's going to be a good match for Vader and Bret Hart. How can those two have a bad match? Then, we get a shotgun Saturday night review. They showed us that. It's like, yeah, whatever, shotgun Saturday night. They tried something. Didn't work, but they tried it. Then, in the ring, we have Owen Hart and Clarence Mason. Owen is going to go against Mankind with Paul Bearer. This is the first match of Raw. Owen starts off fast, man. He, he's giving Mankind at work. And one thing I love in this match, and I wish people would do it more now, man, Mankind, before the Amenable Claw, Brett, sorry, Brett, rest in peace, Owen, what Owen Hart did was one of the greatest things in the history of pro wrestling that doesn't that people just don't do. I don't know why people don't think about this. When they have the somebody has a claw in them, he bit down. He bit them. That's how you get out of the move. Why doesn't anybody else do this? You got to, oh, what can I do? Oh, I got to tap out. He got me. Bite down. Breaks the breaks the move. You out. You good. Him doing that was something that just that just touched me. I I really loved that. It was a very physical match. And what more would you expect out of a mankind match? Being very physical. And also a spot we had in this match that I enjoyed. We got to see what would win. A slammy or a chair. And you know the WWE. EWF gotta put that stuff over so the slammy one at the end of the night at the end of the night I enjoyed this match a lot mankind got the victory with the power driver this was a really good opening match see what else happens man what next thing that happens they jump to 
HBK, Jose Lothario, and Jose Lothario's son interview in the back in the locker room. Yeah. They'd have done better to air a black screen with nothing on it, which is pure silence. They would have done better doing that than having this promo because it was terrible. Then we get another shotgun Saturday night movie. But this time, when they talk about the flying nuns, Miss McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, you all should be ashamed of yourselves for this. That was some straight trash, homie. This is the beginning of 1997. I don't, I don't know, man. This ain't looking too good. Speaking of not looking too good, we get the fake Razor Ramon and the fake Diesel going against Doug Formas and Philip Lafon with the Hunky Tonk Man on commentary. So the thing about this match was this was actually a really long it wasn't really a bad match. It was just a really, really long match. Where it was like it was way too long. I will say this when it comes to fake diesel, fake razor. The guy who played a razor does not have that it factor. He watched him as like like you watch him be like, okay, he is straight up just a Scott Hall ripoff. I don't really want to see him again. Now, when it comes to fake diesel, low key, you look at fake diesel and you're like, okay, fake diesel, he ain't Kevin Nash, but dude, he 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 might be better than Kevin Nash. This dude is tall, got the look, and can actually wrestle. Something like something like you kind of like can Kevin Nash actually wrestle, but Glenn Jacobs, who played fake diesel, he can actually do those things. So you look at him like this dude is actually fake diesel is actually better than real diesel. You just watch him be like, this dude has it. This dude put in a better situation can actually be something. And it's also kind of crazy. All these years, not realizing that that was, you know, like the guy that became Kane, Glenn Jacobs, was fake diesel. And like, saw his face, his face was all over WWF television. Then when he became Kane, and all those years without the mask, what did he look like? We could have just rewatched Raw and saw what he looked like. So it's kind of like, dope. We kind of blew it on that. But overall, Like I said, it was a really long match. Razor took took the pin, which he was the right person to take the pin in that match because out of everybody in that match, he was the least. He's the least of the four guys. If you had to rank the four guys in that matchup, he would be at number four because he just doesn't have it. I can see them trying to do something with the tag team. And then, like I said, fake Diesel, that dude's a star. Fake Razor, jobber at best. Then we get another rewind, man. This one from from Raw, we get a Goldust 
and the King and Triple H and Mark Merrill, they all get involved in a little skirmish, which is going to result in a tag team match on next week's Raw. Then they come from that, and we get another Shotgun Saturday Night Review. <sighs> then we got a Bret Hart interview. <laughs> he's talking about Vader. He's big, but he's stupid. Was he wrong? Was he right? Who knows? But I thought that was interesting. Then you get like this really horrible, and I mean horrible, Warrior Rumble commercial. Austin 318. Just terrible, man. They 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 tried, man. They tried, they tried, they tried. And it was some straight trash, homie. Then we get a Sid interview. He was interviewed by JR. I'll be honest, I, I have no idea what Sid said, which is kind of coming when it comes to Sid. Like, do you really know what Sid really be saying? Only thing I really got out of what Sid said was, I'm the master and ruler of the world. I, I heard that part. And then we get HBK music. HBK comes out, he dances. And Sid apologizes for what he's going to do. And I'm like, yes, Sid. Okay, buddy. You you, you do you do that. Because I can't stand listening to Sid talk. Sid is so bad on the mic. And he had a lot of opportunities on the mic with somebody that was so bad. Then we get a Bret Hart versus Vader match. Then we get a I had to bring this in. But it was funny. We we got a superstars recap. They brought us back the superstars, but they had Jim Cornette just talking trash about the Undertaker, not knowing that the Undertaker was behind him. Undertaker goes, gets Cornette, gives him that work, gives him the tombstone. That was actually really good. That was probably the only recap of something that happened from the previous week that was actually somewhat good. Then doing the Bret Hart and Vader match. Sid comes out, grabs a cameraman mid-match. Then during that same time, Stone Cold comes out, and he stuns Brett outside the ring. Vader was able to then go do his thing, the Vader bomb, and he beat Brett Hart on Raw. Vader got the job done. Overall, going into it, it was a decent show. It wasn't like the actual wrestling in the ring was good. The actual wrestling was so much better than Nitro. It's not even not even close. Like all the matches were really good. The Owen Hart Mankind match was good. The fake Diesel Rape and a Razor match, tag team match was good, but it was just too long. So that kind of took me out of it a little bit. Bret Hart, Vader, it was cool. The only thing that really took me out of this edition of Raw was just so many Shotgun Saturday Night reviews of, of them going back showing, hey, this is what happened on Shotgun Saturday Night. I don't care. I don't want to watch Shotgun Saturday Night. If I wanted to watch Shotgun Saturday Night, I would watch Shotgun Saturday Night. And I don't want to watch Shotgun Saturday Night. So hopefully they can do something with that. Overall, 
I got to give the edge to Raw, man. I think Raw was the better show. Nitro was able to set some things up. But I don't think they did that great of a job with overall layout of the show. Raw's layout wasn't good. The, the bad stuff with Raw was kind of bad. But they had better wrestling overall. So I'm probably giving them the edge. But both shows have tons and tons of room of improvement. Like I said, this was the first Nitro of 1997. They're trying to get things together and they're going to uh, allow them to. I will be here every single week talking about Raw and Nitro. Hopefully you'll join me. We're going to have some fun with this. Let me know what show did, did you all enjoy better. Make sure you like Comment and subscribe to the Jonathan Lyman brand on YouTube. If you if you're listening to this on Apple, make sure you take a listen, write a review, help your boy out as we continue to grow and just do some great things in the new year, man. Thank you all for watching, and until we meet again, I'm gone.